Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more and remember subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week the cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz with, <laughs> with the savage premium so go to go to glow.fm slash savage premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else thank you very much 
Well, today's podcast is a diversion in some ways, but not really a diversion. I turned to a famous novelist of adventure novels, Jeff Roven, who's written the Tom Clancy books. You've heard of Tom Clancy. Well, Jeff and I have worked together on and off for years, and I thought that, I thought that Jeff might have some ideas about what's going to happen in Ukraine next. And so we did this interview for you. And I started by saying to him, how does this novel end? Of course, it's not a novel. It's a human tragedy. What is going on in Ukraine? I asked my staff. I asked Karen Murphy. She said, I think your discovery that novelists were used by U.S. intelligence after 9-11 to depict what might happen was a very, very interesting and little known point. She said, it's interesting in this interview how you described that you had visions as a little kid and that your family thought that you needed to see a therapist because you saw the future. I also like the fact, she said, that Rovin warns about the divide in the United States, and he said that the breakdown in communication, which has brought us to this point in Ukraine, could bring us to this point in America. And this breakdown could happen in America, where we're headed if we don't hold conversations between the two sides in America. Karen said she was shocked when my guest, Jeff Rovin, said my publisher had a number one best-selling book and was still fired by the people who took over the company and would not work with anyone who was a Republican. Yeah, well, welcome to the new America. How do you like that? Doug Lynn said that he was interested in this interview in the novel The Dark Zone, written in 2017. Jeff wrote that, in which he talked about Putin's attempt to reassemble the Soviet Union. And in the novel, he talks about Russia invading Ukraine with a massive tank invasion, which has not yet happened. We learned in this interview from the conversation between Jeff and I that um, he's a martial artist. Jeff Rovin has 65 years of training as a martial artist and many, many techniques. And I wondered what a martial artist would think about what's going on and what's going to happen next. We learned about Russia's long history of scorched earth warfare, China's reaction to the Ukraine invasion. Zelensky is no Churchill. That a lack of communication is the cause of most friction in the world including the United States, how I speculated about nuclear weapons at Chernobyl, Jeff's frightening fear of this is perfect timing for Iran to attack Israel. I discuss why Russia's not using the full power of their air force yet and how Trump would have talked to Putin, perhaps preventing this war. We then launched into a long discussion, Jeff and I did, about nature to study combat techniques. I think you're going to love this interview. I know I did. It's not just a diversion. I think you're going to love it and I'd like to know what you think about it. So here it is. Michael Savage discusses the Ukraine-Russia war with famed novelist Jeff Rovin, who wrote the Tom Clancy novels. Share it with 10 people. They'll thank you. We're speaking with uh, the great novelist Jeff Rovin, who, may I say, wrote the Tom Clancy novels. Would that be a fair description? Among other things, yeah. Yes, among other things. You and I have collaborated on fiction, nonfiction. You've written so many other books. You never stop. You're like an automaton. Your hand is always moving. Your brain is always moving. Thank God. So I was very concerned about what's going on in Ukraine for the last few days, as any sane person would be. And I've been asking the few people that I trust, what do you think is going to happen? So I sent Jeff, how does this Ukraine novel end? I said, does it end in a stalemate? Does uh, Putin use battlefield nukes to get a settlement. And I read to the people what you wrote and you said you wrote the dark zone in 2017. I cannot believe this. How did you fi- first tell it? Please tell the people what you wrote in your novel, the dark zone about this Ukraine situation as you fictionalized it in 2017. Well, what I conceived was that at some point, Russia in particular, Putin would attempt to reassemble the Soviet Union. Uh, You have to remember that these people who have had a czar since the 16th century and Mm -hmm. Ivan the Terrible, and uh, Ivan was not above going to war either. And uh, certainly uh, uh, Putin has wanted to leave the Soviet Union as his legacy. And so what I envisioned was that there would be a a massive tank invasion across the Ukraine border. And uh, what I saw is the only way to prevent it was for uh, uh, special forces from the United States to insert themselves in the middle of it. So one side or the other would have to attack 
the United States military. Mm. And ultimately, that diffused the situation. It gave it gave time for uh, cooler heads to prevail. Mm. We're beyond that kind of a situation now. Uh, and uh, as you and I have discussed, Nikita Khrushchev, for example, did not did not ever really recover from backing down on the Cuban Missile Crisis, even though he got what he wanted, which he was missiles. U.S. missiles. He got missiles taken out of Turkey in exchange. Exactly. Of no one even remembers that. No, because that was the that was the diplomatic behind the scenes closed door resolution to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, because even then, the media played up what was the obvious visual component of that, which were the, the nuclear missiles in Cuba. So Kennedy got uh, all the credit. Khrushchev looked like he lost and exactly politically collapsed in, in Russia. Correct. Correct. And you cannot if you're if you're Vladimir Putin, you cannot allow that to happen, hmm. although he is perilously close to that point, because when you start having body bags full of children, uh, that doesn't play well. And when even when even Hollywood is not opening movies in Russia uh, as their kind of lame form of protest, you know that you've crossed the line. Well, Jeff, uh, how much of what we're seeing about crying Russian soldiers is real and propaganda? Can we ever really know that? No, you're absolutely right. And it's very perceptive that you would say that, of course, um, we, because the two countries, the populations are so intermingled and indistinguishable, uh, you you will never find out what is They what. look the same ethnically, but both sides speak Ukrainian and Russian, many of them. For example, even, even the comedian who's running Ukraine is a fluent Russian speaker. You know, Jeff, you know, you write fiction, but you live in the real world. And, and as you said earlier, in one of your emails to me about the dark zone and what you see coming, and I asked if there'll be a ceasefire soon. And then you said you sent another email saying that the governments in the past would use novelists to predict what would happen rather than people from Harvard and think tanks. Correct. Yeah. Well, what I said was after 9-11, wow. I and a lot of uh, after I and a lot of other novelists were asked by the FBI and the CIA to come up with scenarios because Tom Clancy had written a novel himself uh, in which he uh, had a jetliner, a commercial jetliner used as a missile to destroy the Capitol building. God. And uh, at you, the time, I remember your idea. Was that no, your no, idea? that was that was his idea. And, and I have to say, at the time, a lot of readers and critics said this is impossible. This is crazy, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And of course, then it happened and there was a scramble to find novelists who could come up with things. And as I pointed out to the FBI uh, agent who got in touch with me, you know, the terrorists do this 24 seven. We're, we're only kind of amateurs. We're, we're dilettantes dabbling in this field, but I gave them a couple of things that concerned me. And uh, I don't know what they did with them, but they were going to construct white papers and use them as, uh, as scenarios to, um, to just practice responses. Uh, and that seemed like a, like a good idea, but really, all you have to do is look at history. You know, what, what Putin is looking at, for example, is what Hitler was unaware of when his own generals, when his own staff turned on him and tried to blow him up hmm. in uh, Valkyrie. Um, so he's got to, Putin has got to be very So you, you believe that that is true, that his own general staff has turned on him at this point? You mean in Putin, in Putin's case? Well, it's historic. And again, I, I say if you if you look back at history, uh, I mean, think of the last official czar, Nicholas II. Hmm. Uh, he was uh, he, he was done in by his own uh, uh, ineffectiveness and his own uh, tone deafness and his own isolation wow. and many other things. And look, we're, we're, we're seeing some of that same. You are. Uh, uh, personality you believe, play you out. believe the story that he's showing signs of mental weakness, mental fra well, frailness. You know, look, it's it's impossible to say, you know, you know, how they always qualify stories that with psychiatrists saying I have not personal personally <laughs> examined so and so. But yeah, uh, I think any of us 
well, all of us really who have gone through two years of COVID isolation know that there's a there's a, a downside to that, yes. and it's certainly no different with with Putin, who, from all accounts, was keeping everybody away from him, ah. and uh, that that preys on you too. So if you're thinking about your legacy, is approaching seventy years old, that's old. and uh, you are. Uh, oblivious to the plight of civilians versus soldiery. Again, if you think back, some, somebody very wisely said, go back and reread War and Peace, only this time don't skip over the war parts. <laughs> uh, because the, the attacks on civilians and the disregard for the civilian population has been a theme since the days mm-hmm. of Ivan the Terrible. And uh, if even if you look back at uh, uh, the Prince Alexander Nevsky, the, the great national hero of Russia, um, you know, peasants and, uh, and civilians became soldiers immediately. Mm. Um, and we're actually seeing that in, uh, in Ukraine as well. And I know from my own family history, my grandfather was uh, from Kiev and uh, he was conscripted into the Russian army when all of the Jews were being sent to the front. Well, he got to the front and kept on walking because, you know, that was that was a kill zone. Where did he walk um, to? Did he walk through China? I had I had a friend whose father was conscripted at age 13 in Russia in one of those wars. And this kid walked all the way through China. To Vladivostok no, my, and then took yeah. a ship to San Francisco. Would you believe that story? He told it to me. Well, actually, I would, because if you remember, Tsar Nicholas II was fighting a war way on the other side of Russia with Japan. And uh, that was not going well. It took more effort to bring a bullet across all of that territory than it did to actually fight the war. It took more resources. Wow. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I think Putin's running out of... um, He's run. First of all, he's lost the war diplomatically, politically, diplomatically. The world, the entire world is against him. Correct. Well, if you if you follow, if you believe the media, that's correct. We don't know Mm. what's going on again in in secret, because certainly China hasn't abandoned him. Um, They're buying oil from him to help prop up the economy. Sure. Well, so are we. And um, (laughs) Uh, you, you know, I, it's it's difficult to know what is actually getting through to Putin at this point or mm. at any point, whether whether he cares about it. Um, he will inflict whatever pain is necessary on his own population. At what point do they step up? And uh, burn Gros- seen- didn't he burn Grozny to the ground during the, the, the one of his wars recently? Uh, again, I don't know specifically. It wouldn't surprise me. No, but he, he's a, he's a, a a scorched earth mentality guy. Yes, and he comes in yes. a long line of scorched earth Russian leaders. To them, killing people means nothing. That's, no, what did look back at World War II? What did Stalin have to throw at the Germans? Peasants. So he threw them well, by the. That's millions. the model I've been using, which is the last days of World War II. It took four hundred thousand Russian deaths to conquer Berlin after the Nazi army and air force was completely defeated. The Russians were sent in and shot in the back. If they didn't go forward, I don't know that the army is still the same. Jeff, is it same mentality from all accounts? The the conscripts are not having a good time of things. And again, it's anecdotal, but if they are in fact uh, sabotaging their own vehicles and weapons, so they don't have to go fight. Wow. uh, Then history is in fact repeating itself, oh, just my. like my grandfather who walked to Poland, went the other way from uh, from oh. what you were talking about. Um, but again, I, it's it is difficult to know exactly what is on Putin's mind, other than he sees NATO closing in. You know, it was kind of made fun of last week, I think, uh, when people said, "Oh, Finland is getting into the act now." Well, you know, Finland is has a border with Russia. And that's a serious concern. If Finland joins joins NATO, it's it's something that he is going to worry about uh, justifiably joins NATO. You said that the U.S. would have to defend Finland through NATO against Russia on the border with Russia. 
Sure. And if, if you look at if you look at the border with Russia, Putin finds himself pretty much surrounded uh, by uh, non-allies. If, you know, he's got Mongolia. He's got China. Uh, well, China is sort of an ally, but how much can you trust him? Uh, he's got Ukraine, uh, uh, you know, going going further up uh, to Finland. You have the former Soviet republics. Some of them are very reliable allies. Some of them are not so. Um, Again, uh, I, it's impossible to know where, where, how, and when Putin will stop this carnage. But as you and I were talking about, he's probably not going to stop until he gets what he wants, which is security. Now, what? It, okay, let's go back a, a month or two, a few months. My, my vision, my, my view of this whole thing was, if Zelensky, the um, actor-comedian, the accidental president, I call him. Yeah. Had 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 he agreed, okay, we will not join NATO. NATO will not put missiles on the border with Russia. Do you think this would have happened? I don't. Um, no, there, there there would have been no reason to, and certainly, um, Putin has exposed his military as being less. Yeah. Uh, uh, slick, I think, yeah, than right. he would have liked us to believe. Right. The whole world now sees the Russian military is not what he thinks it is or the world thought it was. No, it's a blunt object. And, and he uses it. You know, it's sort of like they're, it's sort of like their uh, their space boosters. It's pure muscle. And uh, yeah, but in your novel, they, Jeff, wait, I don't want to interrupt your thoughts. But yeah. In your novel that you sent me where I said, oh, my God, how the hell did you figure this out? When I said, how does this Ukraine novel end? And I'm not trying to trivialize the deaths or destruction yeah. to see an advanced no. civilization like that turn to rubble. It's actually shocking to watch it when you see sure. buildings in Kiev that look like San Francisco or New York r- reduced to rubble f- for no reason. This is yeah. terror. That's a terror tactic, which he has used before to terrorize the civilians into fleeing. That is what he has done. And then he inv- then he sends the troops in. That's what he has done in the past. But in your novel. When I said, how does it end? And you said you wrote The Dark Zone in 2017. You say there'll be a ceasefire soon. Putin will get what he wanted. The two breakaway provinces and no NATO. You still think, I mean, obviously, that's what you thought. You wrote it an hour ago, so you must. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I, think you wrote that a year yeah. ago. No, no. Um, in the in the end, you know, it's it's going to be for the diplomats to solve this because if Putin feels cornered enough and um, uh, made a pariah enough, he has nothing to lose with. Um, That's what I'm afraid. You know, tactical nuclear missiles. I had an expert um, on flights last week from the CIA who said he he has battlefield nukes, which are tactical. Yeah. We don't have. Yeah. Them. And he yeah. can evaporate ten thousand troops with one of those bombs. Well, yeah, the problem is a lot of them would be his troops. <laughs> and, oh, God. You know, you know, you start telling you start telling your troops, hey, you know, uh, make sure that there's 20 miles between you <laughs> and the target. Um, that's going to be a little bit obvious. <laughs> uh, so Terrible. so. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm glad you're a novelist and that you don't really advise a Biden. I'm, that's a joke. Well, I, the problem is you got to wonder who is advising. Biden oh, yeah. well, because who's advising all of this- Let's see. Nancy Pelosi. What was that on the stage last night with oh, the gesturing? God. What? Was yeah. That? Yeah. I, I, is she gone? If you're asking me to now provide analysis of people who are beyond even Putin in certain respects, I, I, couldn't, <laughs> oh, um, I couldn't do that. Well, um, you know, but, you know, you said something in, in one of your emails earlier that, um, you're right. President should not get Nobel laureates and F and the academics to talk to advise them or deep state morons. And you said after 9-11, the FBI talked to novelists for terror scenarios to drill. You were one of them. And you said it was Tom Clancy who had a commercial jetliner used as a missile to take out the Capitol. If you were writing this novel now, how does it how, how does it proceed and how does it end the novel? Uh, well, you know, it's. It's tough to say because, uh, and, and, and I'm not trying to hedge here. No, no, I don't want to put you but, on the spot where anyone could be wrong tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would have to be something unexpected, like China taking this moment to seize Taiwan. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Now, 
I think China has been sobered by global reaction to what Russia has done. So they may opt for more of a Hong Kong-esque slower takeover. But if I were writing the novel, I would have a Chinese officer say, you know what, let's go. We've Putin has given us a smokescreen. Uh, how much worse can it get? Um, I, I, I just, in terms of novels, you always think of what's not, what, what is your eye not on? Uh, and I said the same thing to the FBI. You know, what is your eye not on that is going to be hit next? All right, we're looking at buildings. We're looking at, uh, you know, mm. athletic stadium. We're, we're looking at aircraft. So, no, that's not where they're going next. He could turn the water off into you into the cities. Well, that's the other thing, by the way, is, uh, you know, we haven't talked about the cyber attacks and the Russian capabilities there. We don't actually know what the capabilities are. And look. We have a lot of those same capabilities. North Korea has some of those same capabilities. Oh Everybody could start going cyber crazy and shutting one another down. Oh, my God. Um, you know, I, I am uh, puzzled by the fact that there were no safeguards in place. You know, the, uh, the, the, um, I think it was the, the Spartans of Thermopylae who buried themselves in the ground and waited for horses to come over them and then launch an attack from behind uh, the enemy. Why, why did we not have any kind of electromagnetic pulse devices ready to shut down tanks and communications? Um, I, I, I just don't really know what, um, what our military is thinking right now other than pronouns. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Yeah, on a very on a trivial note, I'm a person who likes to study personalities, um, and I've been slammed to, to the wall over and over again for saying Zelensky uh, is the problem. That Zelensky should step down for the sake of his nation. If he cared about his people, he would have sought peace two days ago. But he seems to be caught up in his own opera, where he's playing the biggest role of his life. It's as though Larry David accidentally became president of a country, and now he's playing a role, and everyone's cheering Larry David. And all of a sudden, Larry says, this is a great role. They love me now. I can't. I'm like Churchill. I can't quit. This is almost a parody of a parody, but it's not funny. Do you think Zelensky is also slightly crazy from the power madness that he has? Crazy? No. But, you know, Charlton Heston used to say that the best politicians like Ronald Reagan or Winston Churchill were actually better actors than <laughs> oh, they were God. politicians. <laughs> no, seriously. And uh, if, if you think if you think about it, um, the, the, the photo, the photogenic qualities of a JFK uh, as opposed to Richard Nixon were were crucial. You remember John Lindsay in New York, you know, yes, it's that very kind handsome of, guy. Exactly. In fact, so, I was a young guy. I knew nothing about politics. And I told someone I was a young teacher. I said to an older woman, she must have been 35. I was 22. I said, I'm going to vote for Lindsay. She said, why? I said, he's a great looking guy. So she <laughs> said, it's not him. She said, it's the people around him you have to worry about. Whatever she meant. I, she was a pretty smart woman, I guess. But it was because he was not a Democrat. I guess they hated him. So another smart man I know said they're making Putin even more angry. They're pissing him off. He's liable like get even crazier if he is already a little crazy. What do you think of that one? Well, you know, it's it's anything is possible. Anything. It's also possible he can have an epiphany and uh, and say, you know what? I've had enough of this and it's not it's not going the way I want. Let, let's let's find a face saving way out. What is uh, Jeff? To, that's what I'm asking you. He said to Zelensky, let's you know, let's all meet. Let's settle it. And Zelensky says not until you withdraw your troops. He raised the stakes again. Zelensky wants to be in charge, which I think is foolish. Uh, I don't think Zelensky is Churchill for a number of reasons right now. Do you? I, again, I don't know, because uh, there are times when it appears that Churchill is no longer Churchill, uh, depending on which history oh, you read. Um, you mean depending on he, how much brandy he had that night? Well, yeah. Or, or, or how how cleaned up some of his uh, some of his uh, language was. Um, look. I come from I come from the, the martial arts background where you don't fight unless you are absolutely forced into it. And you also know that it's better to approach an enemy in friendship 
and get close rather than to stand at arm's length and start kicking and swinging and threatening and all of that. Mm. Of course, I, th- I forget which of the found, which of the uh, members of the Continental Congress was it was who said when they were talking about independence and whether to debate uh, the question of independence. Um, the, the member of Congress said, I never encountered a topic that was too dangerous to even talk about it. <laughs> and I think that was lost in all of this. Uh, of course, they should have spoken. To, to when, when you're looking at all of the death and, and all of the destruction, how is talking going to have been worse than that? On what Richter scale is talking worse than all this? I don't want to try to be right or wrong, but here we go. He's doing just what I predicted he would do because he's done it in Grozny and every other city he has invaded. Putin just came out. Russia targets civilians again with missile attack to rip apart critical services as siege continues to intensify. So as we are speaking today, which is Wednesday, the the violence is getting worse. And what I'm afraid of is, is the world laughing at Putin, saying his army's falling apart. They're liable to make him even crazier. No, so, the world is the world is doing nothing really other than, you know, imposing sanctions. And look, I, again, we uh, do not want another Afghanistan. We do not want World War Three. We do not want any of that. But because we didn't talk, because we were all posturing ahead of time, we find ourselves in this situation. You should always talk to people. And of course, look, in this country, we're not talking to each other either. It's all of this uh, folded arm threatening and canceling and whatever. You know, I get I get canceled by um, by a publisher who wanted to do some uh, mm-hmm. some audio books or some of my old stuff and then found out that I'd been on uh, on Newsmax a couple of times that I, I, I withdraw the offers. We, we can't do business. That's with what's you. happening. My publisher yeah. herself was fired. Kate, we both. Right. Kate, Kate, exactly. They closed I, down her whole division inside of a, a giant company simply because she was pro Trump. So yeah, we're living in a sort, forget, we're living they, in a dictatorship of sorts, Jeff, already. Right, you know what? They, they did that to Kate while she had a number one bestseller. So yeah. the, nobody is putting their own self-interest before this this radical agenda of whatever it is. Fill in the blank. So because we're not talking to to each other, because we're not discussing, I you know, if I could if I tell somebody I'm I'm uh, I believe that life begins at conception right away, the conversation ends. Okay, there's there's no conversation about why I think that or what I would do about Roe v. Wade if it were up to me. The conversation just ends. And that's where we are right now. They said to me, someone met me recently, they know me chatting and they said, oh, you're a Trumper. That was the end of the of the conversation. Yeah. Over. Yeah. That's the America we live in today. But before you go, Jeff. Again, you're a novelist. You've written all these best-selling books, and you've written these adventure suspense novels. You've done so many other things as well. You're also a big comic book guy, aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I raise that as an issue because a lot of this is is comic book like to the average person. You know, the average person on social media is kind of at about the sixth grade, if that level. I see the comments, and they say things that look like a six sixth grade at most. Some of them. They don't really know what's going on. And now Putin is Hitler. Zelensky is Churchill in his finest hour. That's all they know. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the narrative, the cartoon narrative right now. Correct. Well, these these are the same people who think that Alexander Hamilton was black, as was George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, because history is not being taught really in uh, certainly in in the kind of uh, uh, granular way that we learned it. And uh, so people have no context other than the bumper sticker deep opinions that they see on social media or Twitter or anything like that. And that's even if they let your opinion be voiced on Twitter or Facebook or, or any of that. So here's some uh, news. I'm just reading off the Jerusalem post. Yeah, it's later. It's a liberal slant. Okay. Headline, okay. Russian-Ukrainian war, Russia takes city of Kherson. 
Okay. They took the city of Kherson and they said uh, thousands of Ukrainians prepared to block Russian forces from reaching a nuclear power station. I want to talk about that for a minute as a novelist. Sure. One yeah. of the first targets of Putin was to seize Chernobyl. I had a report from someone that I know who I trust a little bit. It's a little bizarre in some ways who said that the reason he seized Chernobyl is because when the Ukrainians had agreed to give up their nukes, they kept a certain number of them deep in the ground at Chernobyl. They were buried under Chernobyl in, under the power station. Yeah, you wouldn't find them. They, they wouldn't give off much for a radioactive signature. That's there, what they? he was saying. And yeah. then after, soon afterwards, we were getting reports that radiation was seen around the Chernobyl plant. Yeah, as yeah in, enhanced enhanced radiation. Yeah, it levels. means that maybe the Russians went in there and try to activate or remove some of these nuclear weapons. What do you think, Jeff? Is that a possibility? It's, poss it's certainly possible. And, you, you know, again, we don't have all of the intelligence that uh, and I, I don't I, I don't mean smarts. I mean, the, the tactical intelligence that uh, that uh, is out there. So it's very difficult to say we're all just speculating. And that's why I keep circling back to this idea that unless you talk to people, before all of this stuff erupts, the fog of war makes it impossible to know what's real and what's not real. It makes predictive uh, uh, ability limited. And that's the, that's the kind of thing that where you really get into this accidents can happen stuff. You know, somebody can accidentally or accidentally on purpose push a button. Um, accidentally I, I, on purpose push a button. Yeah, That's what worries yeah. me. And we sent Javelin missiles to the Ukrainians, maybe rightly so, to defend themselves. But what has that done with U.S.-Russia relations? Moreover, Israel sent anti-tank weapons to Ukrainians. Yeah. That's and by the way, this is this was the when I when I said before about China going into Taiwan. Now, I was actually thinking the other day, this is the time that Iran would go after Israel. Why? Okay, because. Well, because you've got a world sort of at war. Let's finish the job. Let's become heroes. You know, let's let's become heroes to to the uh, jihadi world. Um, uh, you know, what, what's a few more nuclear explosions? I, I, I just don't know what any of these people are thinking. There are so many moving parts that all of this is kind of a um, it's an interesting uh, borderline frightening conversation. And again, that's why I'm having it, <laughs> because right, I'm frightened. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered and raw. I have been frightened now since this started. I Jeff, I got to tell you before you go, yeah, I was right. always I was always like a weird kid. And I, as a young boy. Had visions of the world coming to an end. And they thought I was crazy. They took me to doctors. I had these visions. You know, the Bible says. The uh, young shall prophesy and the old men shall dream dreams. Sure. I had this d terrible vision of the world. Now, of course, I know what triggered it. Uh, born in 42. This was in 45, 46. I was a little kid. Shortly after the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So a kid sees this in the newspaper, right? A little boy. That's like, yeah. Oh, that's what's going to happen to the whole world when I grow up. Right. So I've had this fear, but as you're saying, it's not an irrational fear. You've got these nuclear weapons all over the world. You've got unstable people running a lot of countries. God knows how yeah, but, many of them are medicated, but, Jeff. No, I, I know. But here's the thing, Michael. And, and uh, we have been trained to be afraid since the day we were born, practically, you talk about you talk about uh, the nuclear bombs. We went from that into the McCarthy era, where we were afraid of communists. We went from that into uh, the the Soviet Union getting the nukes, and we were told to watch for the fallout. You know, we all did duck and cover in school. Oh yeah, I remember when when fallout was when the fallout cloud of a russian test was passing over new york i stood at the window and wondered what what was going to happen were we going to turn into mutations like like in the science fiction films so we go from that we go into kennedy's assassination we go into vietnam we go into the the whole unrest of the 1960s into 
Jimmy Carter, well, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, and gas rationing, and Desert One, and on and on and on. And COVID, well, let's not stop. And, with- and, no, COVID, but, but, you know, with COVID, I decided, I made a conscious decision. You know what? I am sick of being afraid. You can, you can keep your masks. You can keep whatever else you want. This is ridiculous. I don't trust anyone anymore to give me accurate information. Right. And uh, now, I mean, none of know, us. OK, it goes back to the beginning, the fog of war. We're, we're talking with you, a fam- your famous novelist about your your potential novel on this. If you're writing it today, I'm not asking you to predict anything. Yeah, because yeah. nobody could predict what could happen. I had thought that they were going to use old tanks and just smother Ukraine. The old almost World War Two era, a thousand tanks would run over Ukraine. I haven't seen that happen yet. Have you, by the way? <laughs> No, but a lot of these a lot of these uh, military convoys uh, are are creating that same impression. I, I in, in the novel, The Dark Zone, I also s- envisioned it to be a tank war. Um, but, uh, you know, we didn't again, we didn't think about drones and anything like that. And we still don't know the extent to which satellites are being used to provide information. I'm surprised that there are parts of Ukraine that are still functional technologically. Uh, We didn't think about Elon Musk uh, using Starlink um, uh, technology to help Ukraine. Uh, So we don't, we just don't know. All we know. Why have they not used their air force, Jeff? Uh, several days now, we're a week into the most significant European war in this century, by the way. That's what this is. This is a European war, the most significant one of this century. And the Russians have not used their venerable air force, which was used in conjunction with ours to defeat ISIS. Never forget that. I never forgot that. Where are their right. airplanes? Why are they not using them? Afraid of being shot down? Well, that's it. That makes a really bad optic is to have your planes being videoed on cell phones as they plunge from the sky. And um, like in uh, Vietnam, it was like like, planes going down in Vietnam that demoralized America. Absolutely. Well, and and it was one reason why a lot of the footage from World War Two of airplanes uh, was never released. You didn't see those in the movie tone newsreels in the theaters. Mm. Um, No, you you got to You got to consider what what you will use and what you won't use uh, before something like this starts. I, I don't know what's in store in terms of missiles or, or aircraft. Um, I, I but, think personally, Jeff, tell me what you think of the scenario. Just studying this from an outsider looking in, not a military guy. He's trying to take out the communications webs on the, you know, all these cities near the Russian border, whether it's north or east. And then he's going to send his Air Force in once they can't communicate with their anti-aircraft batteries because he doesn't want to lose planes. I mean, people are saying, where are his planes? He hasn't used them yet for that reason. I I think that that's one reason. And um, uh, look, you know, you you made the you made the comment about um, the the worst of this century. Uh, You know, don't forget 1956 and the Hungarian uh, Revolution and uh, that, that was that was suppressed as well. There's just a history of this that we can't ignore. And um, the, the, the danger is to to lose sight of whatever, whatever um, legitimate issues there were that should have been on the table before all of this happened. We're to, to a degree. Yes, Putin started this and and uh, and all of that. But we all should have talked to him. I think that Donald Trump would have talked to him the way he the way he walked into North Korea <laughs> and tried to talk to uh, to uh, Kim. I had Donald Trump on my podcast last week and I said mm-hmm. he said it never would have happened with me. And he said, I knew him. And I said, do you remember when you won in 2016? I had you on the show a few days yeah. later. Yeah. And I said, would I, I actually caught him off guard? I didn't mean to. I said. Would you agree to meet with President Putin before uh, after you're inaugurated? And he thought for a minute, which was rare for him, by the way. And he said, uh, I'd actually meet with him before I'm inaugurated. Yeah, he said that. And we played that tape. There's been no conversation between Biden and him with regard to this that had any any merit. Well, he's not afraid of Biden. 
Isn't that it? No, he no, he was not afraid of Biden. And whatever whatever those uh, those meetings they had, those video conferences, that wasn't enough. Good Lord, you go you go and you 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 sit across the table from someone and you you play your cards. It's just this. This didn't have to happen. This didn't, didn't have, have to happen. happen. It's a result no. of a lot of a lot of problems. That's how the novel is written. We have a, a weak, senile president. We have a possibly uh, mentally unstable leader of Russia. We have an egomaniac in Ukraine who thinks he's starring in his own sitcom. And uh, it's going on. So we don't. Yeah, know well, what let's the, let's give him. Let's give Zelensky a little credit. Okay, you like state. it more than I do. Well, no, no, no. Let's just give him credit for staying there, especially when when there were uh, uh, reportedly assassins out to get him. Um, he it, could it, have it, gone to Brooklyn and opened a theater company. That's true. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. I'm going to tell you something comedic. I noticed yesterday you're in the theatrical business. You've written screenplays and whatnot that they HBO suddenly announced they were pulling the Larry David movie off HBO was supposed to appear yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. I said to my wife, she said, why did they do that? It was all ready to go. I said, because he was upstaged by Zelensky and he's no longer the world's most famous comedian. She said, oh, my God, that's possibly true, isn't it? I said, I hope it's, not. Uh, you know, I, I, I just uh, but there again, you have the you have the ripple effect that you cannot possibly predict. Now, if you if you take that away from the level of the absurd and put it in places where it really matters, where we talk about Finland or or Tehran or or Beijing or any of these places, how is this playing there? What are they thinking? What are they planning? What are they doing? And to what degree is Putin playing to them as well? How much of this is for China? Who knows what's going on there? China talking again to North Korea. Um, who who knows what all the moving parts, as I said before, add up to at this point. Um, but 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 it should have been talked about before this happened. And I, I keep returning to that because there is no fight that needs to happen. Well, the New York Times is now reporting, which we did at the beginning of this discussion. Um, Russia advances in the south and edges closer to Kiev. Key city falls in south, bombing of civilian targets intensifies. Uh, he's blowing up hospitals and schools. City of Kherson fell. It's going to allow Russia to control more of Ukraine's southern coastline. He's doing a pincer movement. He's surrounding it. He's taking piece by piece and moving to the center, isn't he? Yeah, which was which was ironically uh, or not the same move that um, that um, Nevsky used against the Teutonic Knights uh, back in what was it the the thirteenth or twelfth century. Um, so wow. again, nothing. Wait, wait, tell me nothing that before you go. You're a great historian. Tell me what what that history is. Well, Alexander Nevsky was a prince uh, at that time, and uh, they the the Teutonic Knights. Uh, that is, the Germans uh, were threatening from one side and the Mongolians were threatening from another side and the Swedes were threatening from another side. And uh, Nevsky took on the, uh, the Knights first. And this was memorialized in, in a great film from 1938. But in history as well, it ended with a massive battle on, on a frozen lake uh, where the weight of the Knights' armor uh, caused them to sink crack the ice and sink. Um, but there it was basically just Russian peasants that were that were fighting these well-horsed, well-armed invaders. Um, and we saw that repeated in World War II. So again, just look back at history and you will you will see how this scenario scenario will play out. I don't think it plays out with Putin suddenly having an epiphany, as I said earlier, and withdrawing. Mm. No, uh, it's not going to clearly be, because life is is cheap to him. Uh, mm. This this has to end with him getting what he wants, which is and I'm not saying that that's the right resolution. It's just that's where it's going to end up where we could have ended up two weeks ago. Before we go, another headline. Most members of NATO are pouring weapons into Ukraine, risking a wider conflict with Russia. I agree with that. Here's another yeah. one. I've talked about the, the phenomenal resources of Ukraine in the other podcast from the other day. Ukraine's wealth in lithium sought for its use in clean energy was drawing global attention. Then Russia invaded. 
Jeff, we're going to have food shortages. You know, they make they draw they make ammonia in in uh, in Ukraine, which is. the Yeah, well, and by the way, lithium, lithium is one of the reasons that uh, China wanted Afghanistan so badly, right. because they're, they're going to be making all the car batteries for our clean cars. Uh, uh, thank you, Gavin Newsom. Um, look, yeah, there, there's going to be shortages. There's going to be changes. And ultimately, um, <laughs> this this benefited nobody except Vladimir Putin. How does it end, Jeff? The novel's being the publisher saying, Jeff, we've we've read your novel. How does this novel end? Um, I, I, I think you would have to tell this novel in flashback of somebody who went through this and, you know, is ultimately saying, what the hell is this for? We we got nothing except death and destruction when if we had just sat down and talked about it, we could have avoided the whole thing. From a novelist and martial artist, a lifetime. What what form of martial arts have you practiced for all these years? I started with uh, when I was five with uh, jujitsu and karate, and did that for about thirty five years. But those are very deteriorative uh, practices. Your, your your body can only take so much. And then I moved to kung fu and Chinese forms, which are uh, to me. Uh, much less damaging and in many ways more effective. And uh, at, uh, at our ripe age now, it's, it's perfect, perfect form of self-defense and exercise. You, you used to study in Chinatown, right? With some of the old masters. Oh God. Yeah. I used to go to uh, Columbus park and there were, there were incredible uh, uh, Chinese practitioners who spoke no English and I had to prove myself because I was a white guy. Uh, they, they used me as a practice dummy uh, for a while before I was allowed to uh, study with them. Were you able to fight back? Uh, yeah, because <laughs> a lot of no, no, no. It's, and it's this is no great reflection on me, but a lot of these guys knew one particular form, say, you know, Nabisu Kung Fu. And they weren't expecting necessarily uh, a karate move if they put you in a lock or a jujitsu move or oh. a Wing Chun move. So oh. I, I took a chance once and um, uh, the, the Sifu, the teacher, had put me in a lock that basically he said was inescapable. And I said, well, I said to myself, well, I'm not using another system. It isn't inescapable. So I got out and I knew it was going to cause him to lose face. However, as soon as it happened, he went over to a bench in the park, opened this huge notebook and started writing. And I asked one of the students what he was doing. And the student said, anytime he learns something, he writes it down. And I thought, yes, that is a teacher. That is a teacher. Always learning. If only Putin had had a notebook. Well, and if only somebody, <laughs> if only somebody <laughs> would talk to him. But you're right. You're right. He needs a notebook. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Jeff, this has been fascinating, and I took up too much of your valuable time today. No, no, no. It's always a pleasure. It's a pleasure to see you in, in your abode. I will not report on it where it is, but <laughs> okay. it's certainly an improvement from the villages. And I'm from from the you lived in the what you lived near Wall Street, didn't you? Before that? Yeah, I lived, I lived in the yeah, we live in the financial district, and I have to say that um, uh, there, there's something obviously about living in Manhattan with, with a view of the city that uh, you just don't get anywhere else. And yeah. uh, you can die uh, living in the suburbs. That's why I feed the seagulls. <laughs> no, it, it's I, I feed them used bread and bagels every morning. When I go to a restaurant, they all know me. They, I said, I want bread for my birds. They all know me. And I love Jeff. I love to you talk about martial arts moves. I'm sure that fighter pilots study birds in learning how to fly. I oh, without a doubt, Michael. Jeff, I mean, when I know. see these birds, if I throw bread here and they and they've flown past it, when they caterwaul backwards and then come in for with their legs out to grab the bread or their beak, I'm watching a fighter pilot. I'm watching an F-15 landing on an aircraft carrier. It's phenomenal to watch them. Oh, sure. And the ingenuity of some of it. When, when I first when we first moved to the exurbs here, because uh, we, we live on the water now and uh, I would watch the gulls pick up clams, go way up in the sky and drop them on the rocks, go down to see if they had cracked them. If not, they picked them up again, flew up, dropped them again. Uh, oh, you could learn so much watching uh, the birds or the coyotes or anything else that's out here. Um, what is it? And Jeff, we should. I could talk with you forever. So I'll stop after this question. 
if I walk out on my thing with bread and there's no birds around and the gulls are way over there, they're digging clams are way over there, mile down either way. They'll be here. With, they, they'll come flying at me. How great is the vision of a bird? I mean, bird's eye tuna fish and all of that or what a bird's eye uh, 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 vegetable. How good are birds vision? How great is the vision of a bird? Well, I can tell you this. It's pretty amazing because if you look at any of the uh, the, the American, uh, the, 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 what they call the indigenous people or the Native Americans um, who allowed spirit animals to enter their bodies and mm. then took on the attributes of those animals. Wow. It's the same in a, in a lot of the Shaolin Kung Fu where I, I studied uh, a number of the animal forms. And if you do eagle form, for example, uh, I use that to get rid of my glasses. Because once you allow that animal in, it helps your body to heal. And uh, I can say that if a bird sees as well as I do now, well, it would see better, of course. But uh, whatever that process is, whatever nature, God, the universe has given these animals, it's extraordinary. We have no idea. And it's why the early Kung Fu practitioners studied the animals, because nature doesn't struggle. Uh, whether whether it's water or wind, it just it just moves and 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 uh, in in ways that are holistic. And again, I watch we, the cranes. There's a white crane method of kung fu. Yes, there? and I yeah, watch the, the cranes. I watch them looking for their clams and how they move the leg just so slowly, where it doesn't even move the water. And then yeah. I learn why do they stand on one leg instead of two? You know the answer to that one. Well, first of all, it's, if, if you do that as a human being, you will increase your core strength and your balance phenomenally, which will affect your, the entirety of your health. What, learning to you stand know, on one leg, you mean for periods of time? Learn to stand on one leg and, um, and also to squat and also to do the horse stance, other things that, uh, that strengthen your core and your health will improve across the board. Um, you know, there's a, there's a Taoist idea that, the old Chinese alchemists were trying to uh, solve the problem of immortality. They realized pretty quickly that wasn't going to work out too well for them. Mm. So they, they just tried to understand how to prevent entropy from overtaking the human being. Mm. And that was to turn your drive, to turn your ambition, to impose your will on the world, to turn that into wisdom, to surrender your, ego, as it were, if I'm mixing, mixing metaphors, to the universe, to God, to, to listen more instead of to impose, that you could, you could soar both intellectually and in terms of your health. And that's why I say again, if we did that, if, if, we, if we stopped trying to make everyone listen to us and our way and listen to other people, we would we would arrive at compromises and a better world. We I'm just sending, would. I'm sending this podcast directly to the Kremlin. <laughs> oh, Jeff Rovin, we could go on forever. We should do this again because I know my audience is going to love this one. It's played this week. Uh, I'm sorry to take you away from writing yet another book. What it's are you working, a pleasure. What are you working Always on right is. now? Uh, actually, I just finished another um, another of the uh, Op Center novels because the last one, the last two I did, I wrote about a pandemic three years ago. Then I wrote about China getting a hypersonic missile. Uh, I wrote about a right-wing insurrection uh, against a weak left-wing president. So uh, I'm keeping the next one a secret because I, I just <laughs> want to see if I can break Jeff, this no, trend. Let me ask you this. I, now I can't go now. Okay. We're yeah. both seers in our own way. I wouldn't have survived all these years in the media if I didn't know what I was talking about. I would have lost the audience completely, but it never went away. When I moved over to podcast. Most of my radio audience or a good portion came with me. So there's people who believe in my vision when I'm not joking around, but even the joking around is part of the, the vision, the game. How the yeah. hell do you have the ability to foresee what the hell is happening like this? Where does it come from? Michael, the same place yours comes from. We look backwards and see Ukra what Ukrainian ancestors. Well, to to whatever human beings have done before, we're, we're going to do it again. And do you pray, uh, Jeff, do you pray to a higher power? Oh, I, I absolutely do. And I, I believe in it um, deeply. 
And uh, I, I have seen too many uh, miraculous things happen. I think it was Menachem Schneerson, the great uh, rabbi, who said the only difference between an ordinary event and a miracle is frequency. Um, that if, if the sun only came up once in your lifetime, that would be a miracle. Miracles can happen all the time. And I think it takes incredible focus uh, from the individual and to, to join with others as a group, whether it's a prayer group or a Tai Chi group or whatever you, you want to use, it is all possible. And it's, it's something that we have uh, let go of that we shouldn't, there's no objective morality anymore in our lives. And, uh, you know, I know you're, you're devout, uh, in, in that way. And, uh, we're, we're really hurting because of that. Jeff, I'm going to show you something before you go, because I think it'll, it'll just, you'll remember it. When I was 13 years old in my bar mitzvah, my atheist Russian grandmother gave me this Bible and she didn't believe in religion or God, but her grandson was being bar mitzvah. So she gave me this beautiful leather bound book. I never really looked at it. I carried with it. it I carried it with me as I kept it with me. Here I am turning 80 the end of this month, God willing. You know that before I go on TV now, on Newsmax, people don't know this. Do you know that I read a prayer to myself two minutes before? I just look at the Hebrew letters and the English letters. There's a power in the ancient Hebrew that even if you can't read the words, I can look at them like drawings. And I know that there's a part of my mind that actually can read that, but I can't read it. I only know a few letters. I'm a ter terrible fallen Jew in that regard. I'm not even religious. But Jeff, I say, God, give me the strength to do this right, not make a fool of myself and do your work, please. That's all I say. And it helps me stay on track with what I'm going to say. And no matter how I'm deterred on the on the TV and it's much different than radio, I don't get a chance to hide that lights right in my face. Right. No matter yeah. how I stay on that track. And I don't get when they try to cut me off in the middle of a sentence, which happens almost every time I'm on now. Yeah, I've noticed that. How you know, yeah. <laughs> just for making a main point, then go to yeah. break for something like I, that. <laughs> tell them to go. Tell them to go back to the Bronx. I, yeah. I keep going. It's because of the power of prayer. It's like you with the martial arts. You, you're, you're throwing a move at someone. You don't cut it off in the middle of the move. You keep the move going all the way to the, to the end. Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Well, actually, you you enter any movement in martial arts by looking beyond the individual because mm -hmm. you don't want to stop at their their chest or jaw. God forbid that you have to strike. You want to go behind their head. That's oh, where God. you want the power to be directed. But I would say, again, it would have to be an incredible circumstance for it to come to that. And so here we are back saying the same thing yet again. Why is any of this necessary? And uh, I, I don't have a really good answer except for this, again, this, this idea of trying to impose your drive or your will on yep. other people well, instead of listening. That's what he's done. That's what he's doing. And he's met someone in Ukraine who also has an ego who's trying to impose his will. You might say he's justified in defending his people. I don't see it that way. I think that for the sake of his own people, he could have stopped it three days ago and come to some terms to start to talk and stop the bombing. But, hey, I'm sitting here on my own praying to God I get through another day. Jeff, I want to thank you again for your phenomenal insights and your time. Oh, thank you. Uh, but I want to leave you. I, I just want to say this to that point. The universe has its way and um, we don't know what that way is. Call it the universe. Call it God. Things happen for a reason. You think this war has a reason? I, I don't I don't know. I'm not God. And I, I wouldn't even pretend to to put myself in that position. What I'm saying is, is mm -hmm. that um, we, we are given choices in our in our lives. And either, as I said, we follow we try to follow some sort of uh, objective morality or we think that we are the the uh, the morality that we know best. And uh, that's that's where where we really trip up. Well, it's a hell of a conversation. Maybe the next time Jeff Rovin and Michael Savage speak on a podcast, which should be soon, it won't be about war, but it'll be strictly about uh, philosophy, religion. That would be lovely. And the yeah. spirit. I would, I would like that a lot. And, you know, I would okay. like to start from the point of view of your martial arts training. You're not an ordinary man. I mean, you say since you were a child in New York, you were into martial arts. How the hell did you do that? I never even heard of you. You're a little younger than me, I think, right? By a few. Yeah. Yeah. So, but how did you even, well, that's a whole topic. Sorry. How well, did no, you all right, get no, into I'll, martial arts? 
I'll leave you with, I'll leave you with this and then we can pick up there. It, I was five years old and there was a mafia bodyguard and he saw that I was being abused. And he was German and he said, kid, you have to learn how to protect yourself. And he generously, he generously gave me that, that training that I needed and I stayed with it. And to this day, I, he I pay taught it you forward. what? The German bodyguard? He he taught me karate. He taught me basic karate moves. And then, uh, in 70, fact, 70 years ago, uh, 65 years ago, he was um, he was uh, a, a trained fighter. And oh, I didn't know he was also a porn star, but that's a separate <laughs> discussion. Um, but um, uh, so so to this day, I try to pay that forward by, you know, I was training. Uh, I had a lot of Asian uh, women friends, um, just friends from New York who, when Asians were being attacked, asked if they could come up and spend a weekend learning self-defense. And of course, I said, yes, come up. It's, it's a privilege to do that. Uh, nobody should be afraid. Nobody. So we can, we can start there and uh, we, can, we can compare our childhoods. Jeff, thanks. It's a pleasure. Take care right. of yourself. You're an important man in the world. Right. Take care. Oh, thank you. Bye. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.